This is your friend, your hero, your My House Sports Gear sponsored athlete, Retromania Wrestling Superstar, or the Virgil, if you will, IWA Vintage Colonial Champion, Daredevil Dave Dahl, and this is the Three Count Podcast. Welcome everybody to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering, and I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. That's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. That's right, y'all should be calling me your Sherpa, like 70 episodes in now, I think it is, I don't know, I've lost track after the first 400, but hey, y'all should be calling me your Sherpa, but like every good Sherpa, you gotta have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can, and that's why it's never about me, it's about Who's entering the ring? And who's entering the ring today? Well, he comes to us from HWT, IWA Vintage Pro Wrestling. He comes to us from Outbreak, TCW, SICW, DOG, CZW, and SKPW. He is the man who is sponsored by My my House Sports. He is also the man who, yeah, he got a win over me. But more importantly, he is the dangerous daredevil Dave Dahl. We're one on one. You eliminated me in the four way, and then I just beat you last weekend. So yeah, it's, it's you know we get to do it again. Yeah, we get to do it again. We get to do. It, we get April, to run it back. April thirtieth. Yeah, Stafford, New Jersey. HWT. Be there. Hell yeah! Uh, it's weird because the day that we're recording this was the day that the card came out too. Yeah, the flyer came out today. I'm like, well, ain't that just freaking perfect? <laughs> right. Like, no, we won't be attaching it to this episode. So you guys no, are just gonna check not. out our promos. Yeah. Yeah, that should be fun. <laughs> but bet, yo, one man, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yo, so uh, we met a couple times. We ran into each other at HWT, ran into each other at IWA Vintage Pro. We were supposed to work uh, a couple other times too, but you know, neither here nor there. Those things kind of it just kind of happened, but no, man, like I get to meet with you and sit down and talk with you, and it was definitely like a lot of fun to kind of like pick your brain a little bit and just kind of learn uh, more about like this awesome sport that we live in called pro wrestling and uh i was just curious man uh like about having you come on the show and i was very grateful that you were able to come on oh, i appreciate you having me i love doing these kinds of things uh and, you know my in-ring character is the complete and utter opposite version of the real me or as i like to say like anything that happens to me in the real world that i find you know a-hole-ish or you know d-word-ish and all that uh I'm censoring myself. I don't know if you curse on here or not. So, I'm no, we can say whatever the fuck we want. Oh well, then fuck it. Uh, <laughs> so, like anything that like is dicky, or if like you're having trouble at your shoot job or whatever, like I try to turn that around and I use that as my heel character. Um, it, it's me being the evil version of me, but it's like times three hundred and seventy-five. Like, I I will never be as evil as I am in the ring in real life. I, I don't think I could. Like, you really, really, really have to do something terrible to me for me to act like I do in there in real life. You know, it is fun, though, because, like, I love, like, you're very, like, your your interest and everything is very, like, very, like, it's about me. Like, uh, when we had oh, our That was the first time I did that. <laughs> the flag bearers. That was the, so I've had those flags since a little bit after I got my sponsorship with my house. I was like, yo can I get these flags made up? Can I use your logo for this? They're like, yeah, go ahead. I'm like, sweet. And I've had that idea of like the college flag runners making my own 
curtain in the ring. And since that uh, IWA vintage, we didn't have a curtain. I'm like, I'm making myself a damn curtain. Like, everybody always calls me the biggest billboard for myself because once, like, I get changed or, like, I start getting in that mode, I'm in my tracksuit. I'm in something. I mean, I can't walk into a building without somebody knowing it's me because my gear bag is customized with my logo and everything on it. So, like, there's no sneaking me into the building unless I have a different bag. (laughs) So, but, I mean... Someone has to be their own biggest fan, and why not me be mine? Like, well, that's what you're supposed to do, though. Like, and I know, like, a lot of people, like, it, it's it's kind of like a double-edged sword, but it's the same token. Like, you have to be your biggest fan in this business, because if you're not, like, no one else is going to be your biggest fan. Like, you, like, and what I've, what I've learned in the short time that I've been in the sport, right, in this business, whatever you want to call it, that's theatrical performance, whatever you want to call it, like, I've learned that you have to be your number one cheerleader and you have to put it out there that you are your number one cheerleader. Otherwise, people aren't really going to take you seriously. The best way I can put it is if you don't care about you, they won't care about you. Facts. You know, like um, at at Dangerous Adrenaline Wrestling Gladiators, dog for short, like a lot of people show up there just to see me get booed and beat up and like, 99% 99% of the time there, I'm losing, which I'm fine with. Like, by all means, let me put somebody over. I'm cool with that. Like, the, the, when we did the four-way, my whole goal was to get you to look like a bigger star because you're the newer one, you're the newer one. Like, you you needed that. I got all my shine and my time during my entrance, during my promo, you know, in our little bit of wrestling that we did or the little bit of offense that I got in that match, I don't, I didn't need a whole hell of a lot because most of the people there already knew me. You, on the other hand, is still a little relatively unknown in some of these places. So it's like, well, he goes with me. He gets that notoriety because these guys already know me and then he eliminates me. Oh, like he, he could be somebody. And then that led into you getting those spots with Josh and, or uh, violence, sorry, and patch that made you look even bigger of a threat, which made you eliminate me, me, mean even more. And that was my whole goal with that match. Like, yeah, and plus, I needed to also make you look like a viable contender, knowing full well we were introducing this title at IWA Vintage, and it was the first title defense. It was the only title match on the card. Like, if you're a nobody, why am I facing you for the title? I needed you to have meaning. So it was like, it was a hidden agenda with a positive agenda at the same time. Right. And it was something that like, I've been very fortunate, like, and especially being with someone like, you know, like, like violence as well as passion yourself is that like, like I knew, I knew, (laughs) and I said it like numerous times that day. I was like, I know my role here. Like I'm the green guy. I'm just going to listen to everybody else talk, but you were like very avid. You're very avid, right? Like, no, Listen, I don't need this. I know what I know where I'm going to be at in this match. I'm going to be the first one eliminated. Let it be him. He's the guy. He needs to kind of shine. Like it was cool to like see someone like advocate for me, even though like I didn't have to be in that. Like I knew kind of what they wanted, like HWT wanted, but you had like such a broader picture for everything. And I only saw like I saw like the small portion, but then you opened up the rest of like the the book, and I was like, wow, it's like. I didn't even think about it in aspects of like, 
we're wrestling here, we're wrestling here, you know, there's a possibility we can be over at this place. We want the audience to have like that believability that anytime I'm going to lose to this guy. And if I beat him in the opening part, it does not make any sense for anything else. Yeah. I like when the issue is too, is like, I don't want to have violence eliminate me because we have a history. We, we were one of three surviving members from the school that we went to. Like, and he was there when I was training there. He was still coming in and helping with us and everything. So me and violence have a history. We faced each other before at like dojo wars and stuff. But like me and Patch have faced each other numerous times. And the next week, actually, after that match, I was supposed to face Patch one-on-one. And I was like, well, that's, I can't have too much interaction with him. Because if I do, we're only like three, four towns over. It's not going to be an attraction no more because he's already beaten me up here. So why would they want to see him beat me up again? But then again, I let him get that one chop in or that little bit that we did, like the goofy stuff, which that running around the ring was just all on the fly, which he made me fall through the curtain. And I was actually crushed uh, violence's kid (laughs) because I fell because he threw the chair at me. But like, that's why when we went into the finish of our part, I was like, have him hit me. One that gives us our little interaction that doesn't take away from our match the following that was supposed to be the following week, which is now the week after IWA Vintage in April. Um, so like, and then that leads into you technically not getting the complete win on your own. So even though you eliminated me, you had help, right? Even if it was just one chop, you still had help. So if we dug into that more for the IWA Vintage match. You know, like I sent the clip of the uh, the spine buster he gave me. I sent it to Craig. I'm like, use this like in your promos because I let Craig do all the promos for it because he's my manager. He's supposed to be my voice, even though I redo the introduction because no one's going to do my own introduction better than I am. I think some announcers get mad at me when I tell them that. Like I remember in the chat with HWT, I'm like, hey, you don't need my stuff. I'm going to do it myself. And then he was like, what? I'm like, oh, uh, I'm going to cut you off. Like you don't really need to know it. Like, I'll cut you off. Like, I'll do it myself because it's so long. It's so intricate. I have a certain way I like to deliver it. Like, let me do it myself. But, yeah, you needed that match more than any of us. I mean, yeah, it was to crown the champion. But you're the newest guy in the champion, the championship match. So for you to look like a bigger star and then having it come down the patch and violence, you know, is all right. But you went out looking strong because it took both of them to eliminate you. Right. Not just one. So it, it worked out in everybody's favor. Everything went off perfectly fine. I made a kid cry, which is awesome <laughs> and not awesome at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, I rectified the situation afterward. <laughs> that poor kid, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, geez. you did. You did rectify. I, I start laying into him when I'm cutting the promo. And the dad's like, that's enough. That's enough. I'm like, hooked line and sinker you you're gonna hate me for the rest of your life until i make it up to your kid after uh after the match is over why well, is that little kid like i remember like seeing him crying and stuff and then i got in the ring and then uh once like i went to eliminate you right uh i remember looking at the kid and i like said like goodbye dave doll and i saw the kid's face like light up yeah. and <laughs> go for the pin and i was like well, oh, that's God, moments. That's good. That's, the thing. that's good heat. <laughs> Wrestling is moments. You gave that kid a moment. I gave him a shitty moment. 
And then you turned around and gave him that moment of satisfaction because he got to see the guy he hated the most in the match get beat. And that's what my job is. Like, if I'm losing, my job is to make you want to see me get beat. If I'm winning, my job is to make you want to come back to see me get beat eventually. Right. Like, I mean, I faced Adonis Valerio numerous times, that dog. And I challenged a biker gang. <laughs> like, his, his stepdad's in a biker club, and I challenged him, and I made fun of him, and I used – I'm an idiot. Like, I don't care. Like, I've picked on a kid that I've known for forever who gets so involved in this. He's known me since he was, like, a baby. Like, he, he's basically part of my family almost because, it's like, my best friend's part of his. And I'm like, you know, he forgets that I'm the guy that he's known since he was a little kid. And he starts booing me and hating me and wanting to beat me up. And then as soon as the show's over, he's hugging me. Like, I'm like, dude, how do you do it? Like, you're a better performer than we are right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, though, man, because you talk about moments and stuff like that, right? Like, whether, like, you make kids cry, you make them feel better. Because, like, even as wrestlers, like, we're giving each other moments, like, all the time, right? Whether it's, like, a move or, I don't know. Maybe you tell the referee to hold your cock as you hand him a rubber chicken. Oh, you son of a... As you hear someone call you an asshole from the ground. Like, that was my pop for the night. I was... I would tell, you, I would tell, if you ever make me break character again and start laughing in the middle of a match, I'm gonna slap you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, oh my god. I'm like, you asshole. As I'm, like, trying to sell and I'm laughing. Oh. Uh. That was great though, because I was like, it was a lot of a lot of stuff yeah. that was going on in that match too. A lot of people won't realize, but it was just it was kind of called on the fly, and we were just having fun. But yeah, when I had that moment happen, and I was like, yeah, I'm totally gonna run with this right now. <laughs> so for the longest time, I can remember almost every spot of every match I had up until like a couple years ago, and eventually I realized I don't need to remember every spot of every match I've ever done. I need to remember the big moments, the moments, the reactions, because those moments are the ones that the crowd's going to remember. So like on, uh, on Saturday when we wrestled that low blow, when you're on the corner, people are going to remember that. So next, next month, April 16th, when we're back at IWA vintage, whoever I'm facing, if they get into the same position, the people are gonna warn the good guy. Oh, he's gonna love you know what I mean? Like those moments, even the funny moments, like I'm a heel, I'm usually super serious, but I'll let a funny little thing out or I'll do something stupid. Like I don't care about throwing a little bit of funny haha in there. We did the grenade spot or your gun spot, a little different just to tune it down a little bit, but the grenade, we had the ref sell like it blew up, we had Craig sell like it blew up. <laughs> Drilled me with a damn low DDT, which was beautiful. Like, it, it's stuff like that people remember. Oh, he threw the grenade up and hit that DDT. Like, awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was something else, too. Like, it's funny because, like, I know and we talk about, like, we can talk about with character work, right? Like, the idea that we're, we're creating these larger life personas and stuff like that. And, and you have to remember that. But then, like, 
every crowd is different, right? So, like, the gun sequence that you may see in, like, HWF may not be the same one that you'll see at IWA. And it's just because different different people, different crowds like different, different promoters. things. Yeah. <laughs> but it was something, like, when we, were, when we were talking about it on the fly and you were talking about how, like, we'll do the gun spot, but then, like, full transfer, we were getting vetoed. And we changed it. But as we changed it, we made it more effective because it was, like, for people who saw me at IWA last time, when they saw Prince sell it, obviously when it came out this time, then there was like shots followed up by it, which was the first time that I was able to do something like that. And then I had to tell myself afterwards, I was like, I really have to slow down with that because we got to make things register. Um, oh, yeah. I was I meant to tell you that after the match because you, you pulled the gun to throw mm-hmm. me off. And it, you were supposed to wait for me to say... Oh, that's just your fingers, and then right. give me the dead arm, dead arm, dead arm. But you went. <laughs> I'm like, oh yep. shit, okay. Yep. Like, <laughs> it went way you too let fast. Register to where if you throw that punch, now I'm giving you insider information on the air. Sorry, but when you throw that first, after I say that, and you throw that first punch, you gotta let me go. Oh, you gave me a dead arm or something, and then you hit with the other one. Ah, oh, now both. You know, you had to give me a little bit of time to sell it for you. Yeah. If you're hitting me and giving me dead arms, I'm not going to have any reaction time or any kind of reaction to try to get you back. I have no arms. I can't, I'm not going to throw a kick that high with no arms. I'm going to fall on my face. Like, and, and, so. and that was something like I went back and I was like replaying a match in my mind. And I just remember like that spot in particular because it was something I had, I never, and the funny thing is, is the first time that I ever hit the gun spot right at HWF, I rushed through it. Right. So mm-hmm. now I'm like, all right, the second time that we're going to go do this. It's going to be more slow. It's going to be more methodical. People will see yeah. it. They'll know what happened. And then they're going to be able to register. But it was something that I just – I, and sometimes when I introduce something new, like I get so hyped about it. But I forget that I have to like hone like it down. The grenade, because, the grenade yeah. part of it, you did nice and slow. Like pulled it out. I was like, grenade, and then threw it up and then hit the DDT. Like that was good. But the beginning part to get me into that position was just like – Yep. I was like – who who saw that? Right. Who's gonna remember that you gave me two dead arms, kicked me in the legs to get me down, and then threw a grenade up, if, whether it's a pretend or not? But like, I do not <laughs> condone real live grenade throwing in professional wrestling matches. <laughs> this is a public service announcement from your friendly neighborhood daredevil. <laughs> oh, we just borrowing sticks now? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Hi, Marvel. <laughs> oh no, because I always say like it's your friendly neighborhood red dog. <laughs> oh well, I mean. You gotta get a little bit bigger to be Clifford. Um, <laughs> I, I I'm tall for my height, bro. Like I'm I'm well where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> but yo, I just need to know. It's funny because I love asking this question to a lot of different people. So, what's like uh, one of the worst bumps you've ever taken? Uh, in my early career, I had never taken a superplex, and the guy I was wrestling loved the guy to death. Um. I'm not going to put his name out there because, one, I don't want him to think I'm shitting on him. And, two, I don't want people to think I'm shitting on him. Um, He gave me a superplex, and we didn't quite get all the way over. And he didn't quite take the full back bump off the middle rope. So he kind of like – it kind of looked like he stepped down and fell as we went. So I landed a little high and tight, but nothing like pain painful. Uh, I did take a clothesline. On the outside from Gene Snitsky on into my early career. I did not enjoy that. And plus Gene is freaking huge. And I had showed him pictures from it at uh, Legends of Hamburg. 
last year when I was there because he was like I was there just trying to get my name out there at one of my buddy's tables and he was like across from us so I was talking to him I was like yeah we wrestled uh, very early in my career like it would be much better now if we ever got to do it again Um, we had like three minutes like legitimately he had to pin me at one second left because that was the storyline and this was for WXWC4 and uh, I had fun I mean I'm wrestling Gene Zinsky I wrestled him on TV you know I watched him on TV so like this was fun but like we had to be so perfect with everything that at one he got the three because he was he had to get the three he had to beat me to get a title shot that was the storyline mm. so um, that that close on the outside is not a fun bump um I took some other ones at like dojo wars that weren't quite fun because you know I went into dojo wars as the guy that's been around for a little while I was doing it really just to keep getting in ring reps every week. Uh, get better ring shape, you know, mat shape, I should say, because you can be in ring shape, you can be in mat shape, you know, there's levels. Um, so if you're wrestling some of the green students and some of their moves aren't as crisp. And it, it, it's not quite fun taking some of their bumps, but you do it because you're trying to help them. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really haven't taken anything too, too bad. I know in training, I I think I gave myself a concussion once <laughs> when I first was training. We were doing up and overs, and they wanted me to do an up and over into a back roll, like right into a back roll. But me being an idiot, I didn't like hit my feet first. I swung my feet under, and I just smacked the back of my head. Hell, even the first bump of our match, the first shoulder tackle bump, I hit my head for some reason. I don't even know why. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay. I, like, I didn't hurt myself, but I'm like, why did my head hit? Like, I never hit my head on bumps. <laughs> yeah, we so. were talking about that, like, right at the end. I was I'm like, like, dude, I hit my head. And you're like, what? I'm like, I don't know. That first bump, I hit my head. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I was like, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. So, aside from that, man, like, uh, so. No, that wasn't you... your fault. It was just me. I, I, I either didn't tuck my chin or I have a habit. I don't know if it threw you off. Um, I like to snap really hard on shoulder tackles. Mm. Like, I'm a big component of the harder you throw yourself at the ring, the softer the bump is. It's the same way, like, the harder you throw yourself into the ropes, the less running you have to do. Right. Like, I can run the ropes longer than I could run on a treadmill right now, most likely. Like, that's the sad thing. Like, I won't get blown up running the ropes as much as I will, like, doing a sprint on a treadmill. Right. Because I attack the ropes. I use the, you know, momentum of the ropes bouncing me around. So when I take a shoulder tackle, I have a habit of putting my other hand here and pushing off of you. And like most people won't even notice that I do it because like they don't feel it because it's so quick and such. And like you're already pulling back after hitting me that you don't even realize you're getting jerked a little bit more. And I snap and I hit that ring as hard as I can. It's a little I I don't know how I started developing doing it. I just realized I kind of started doing it like probably after I started doing shows. Like, mm. I never did it in training or anything like that, but then once I got into shows, I guess I just wanted the loudest, the biggest bumps on everything. So, like, that's how I would snap down harder on shoulder tackles. Clotheslines, you can't do it, but, like, you know, stuff like that. And, like, your flying shoulder tackle, you came up, and I pushed off your shoulder, and I, you know, I hit that ring hard because I needed to hit, get the point across that you just destroyed me with the shoulder tackle and made me powder. So, Yeah, no doubt. And it- so it's funny, man, because like 
after our match, right? And I'm gonna ask you this question. So Nick would not leave me alone. He's like, we gotta go to Wendy's. But I'm kind of curious. What's your uh, what's your post match snack or post match meal that you go to after? Uh, it depends on who I'm with. If I'm by myself, I usually just stop at Wawa, pick up a sandwich. You know, because I come home, I get a shower, and then I chill for like an hour or two. No matter what time it is, I get home. Like I need that hour or two to chill. After I get home, I'll eat a little, you know, eat my sandwich. Um, if I'm with a buddy of mine, a lot of times we wind up at like a chicken and pizza if they're still open. Like if we're wrestling locally. Um, but yeah, most of the time it's just quick stop at Wawa. I'm usually in a hurry to get home. Like once the show's over, everybody's kind of leaving. Like I'm ready to go. So I just want to get home. Like I have my little girl. You know, I know, and I'm always the last one to sleep, first one up in my house. So I know, like, no matter what, seven o'clock, my dog's going to be crying to go out, and I'm getting woken up to be the one to let her out. <laughs> Whether I'm going to sleep at three, four, five, six, like, I could go to bed at seven, and I'll still get woken up at seven to let this dog out. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I try to get home as quickly as possible and just chill out. Like, I'd rather eat at home. Then grab a snack and eat in the car because one, I'm usually driving and it sucks trying to eat while driving. And I can't really eat a Wawa sandwich that great driving. And if you yeah. do, you have to get it with no lettuce, no onions, no nothing on it. And it's just meat and bread and cheese, which yeah, isn't I'm always necessarily boring. bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm very boring when I, when I like stop because like Nick was like very adamant about me pulling over and like eating while we stopped. And I was like, bro, like I just want to get home. He's like, yeah, but we got to eat safely so we can't get home. I was like, I can eat on the run. I'm good. <laughs> and then I was like, fine, we'll pull over because you keep talking about it. So, yeah. <laughs> And sometimes like, sometimes you just want that extra little camaraderie with the boys. Like Nick's been injured. You know what yeah. I mean? So like, who knows? I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while, but like, it might have been one of his first trips. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, actually, you know, I think about it. I, if not his first, it's, like his second trip, because you know, like so he just I, I wants train to hang with, with the boys, yeah, like, and maybe kind of thing. You know, he, he misses it. Yeah, like except he said for the fact we're that all he... talking in the beginning. He's like, I met this dude like twice, and he's just one of those dudes that you can't help but like. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm putting his nice, business you know? out there, putting his business. You know what? If that was the case, man, five minutes after we started heading home, he wouldn't have gone to sleep. That's the problem. Want to hang out with the boys? You passed out next to me, Nick. That's not cool. <laughs> well, I mean, he is a vet compared to you, so he gets to sleep. You get to drive. No, co-passenger. <laughs> You're in the car. Dog. Didn't you have? Didn't you have uh, Jason with you too? Yeah, he was with me too. He's so you had you, you had another co-passenger. So you know, as long as one of them stay up, you're good. No, but the best was is like he was. So Nick had his arm on my on my seat, like as I'm driving, and then also I'm like I just feel like a hand drop, and he was just like, "What's up, buddy?" I was like, "Don't act like you weren't sleeping, man. Get away from me." Uh, <laughs> I'm putting it. I don't. I'll put this out there. Uh, yo, we love you, Nick. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, man. Like, what's been like one of the hardest lessons that you've had to learn in the sport? I've. So in my day to day life, I'm. If I'm questioned, I tend to question back. Like, shoot, I'm a cook, right? And I had a, a boss who recently just stepped down. We got a new one. And she questioned some of the things that like I was doing when I was cooking for the residents I cook for. And I'm like, why are you questioning? Like, I start questioning back. It's just me. But if I'm in the locker room and 
someone questions me on why I'm why are you gonna do this, I don't question them back and I just listen to what their advice is. Like that was one of the things like shut your mouth, keep your eyes and your ears open, don't talk back. Especially like I've had people like Shane Douglas like tell me stuff and like I'm not gonna question Shane Douglas. I'm not gonna question Barbarian. I had Kevin Nash at a seminar make fun of my boots. I'm not gonna question him on why he's making fun of my boots. Like I'm not gonna do that. And I, I like I don't know why it's so different and why I separate things like that. But I guess it's a good thing that I have been able to do that. Because there's been kids that I've seen that question every time someone talks to them. And there was one that like I don't remember his name. I don't necessarily remember where we're at or who was talking to him. And I was like, dude. Just shut up. Like, just, just be quiet. Like, stop answering back. The question's rhetorical. He's going to tell you why he's asking you this question. Like, a vet's not going to ask you a question without, you know, giving you the answer. Unless he really, really wants you to answer. But they'll ask you in a certain way. Like, uh, at one point, I had Sean Donovan ask me, why are you called the daredevil? When you go out there, I don't see anything daring about you. I don't see you doing any, like, high flips or back flips and all that. And I had to stop and think. I'm like, well, what does make me a daredevil? And then I remember, I'm like, well, I didn't choose the name for me to be Evil Knievel. At the time, Daredevil Season 2, when I started using it, was coming out. You put hashtag Daredevil with everything. You're now tied in with everybody's talking about the TV show. You know, and then it, it sounded good with my name. And I'm like, I could get logos made up. That's good marketing. Like, I start of the business part of it more than the wrestling part of it. And then I started doing, like, a moonsault to kind of put something out there. But I haven't hit one. I haven't done one of those since I hurt my knees doing it, wrestling a green kid in a blindfold match. Long story. Makes no sense. And I'm an idiot for it. <laughs> we'll get into it later. <laughs> but, like, my thing was never, oh, I want to be Evil Knievel. My thing was, I want to be an ass kicker like Daredevil is. You know what I mean? That was yep. my version of Daredevil. But my version, my vision of Daredevil is a different vision of somebody else's, which may be a different vision of somebody else's. You know, everybody has their own flavor of ice cream, but I may not like it and they may not like mine which is perfectly fine. Like, I even had DJ Hyde say the same thing, basically. He's like, I love the gear, I love the look of it, but I don't understand the Daredevil part. And I'm like, well, you also have me as a baby face, so you're not going to understand the Daredevil part because, for me, Daredevil is more of a heel. But that's my vision of it. Can I do it as a baby face? Yeah, that's when I bust out the moonsault. That's when I do a one-handed cartwheel. Like, that's when I do the flying head scissors. I don't do that as a heel. The only time I do the one-handed cartwheel as a heel is if I'm letting the baby face out-wrestle me and doing like the forward roll, the kip-ups and stuff like that. I'll bust out the one-handed cartwheel to kind of confuse them, pull their hair, or poke them in the eye and take over from there and stop the chain wrestling completely. But a lot of times I don't really need to do that because not everybody does a whole lot of chain wrestling anymore. I So I, I like that aspect and you kind of brought, you, you kind of hit on something that I've heard numerous people talk about, um, and Charlie Haas said the same thing, right? That as a face, you should have X, Y, Z moves. And as a heel, you should have X, Y, Z moves. And then somewhere in the middle, you should be able to do moves that are going to be both heel and face. But 
he's like, you should definitely want two different moon set move sets for two different sides. And you brought up a great point that like, like you said, you do a moonsault or you do a one hand cartwheel if you're a face. But as a heel, you don't do any of that. So I'm just well, I, I find like that I to said, be there's certain aspects that I can do some of it. Like if I do the moonsault as a heel, freaking ninety nine point nine 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 repeating, I'm missing. It's a heel. Even as a baby face, like with my, you know, spare tire on my belly, if I hit somebody with a moonsault, I kill him. So, like, most likely, if I'm going for a moonsault, I'm missing. And it's setting up for the heel to either take over or for me to catch him with something as I'm selling. Or, you know what I mean? It's setting up for something else. I use the moonsault more as a setup. Like, as a heel, it's for me to set up the face's comeback. You know, as a baby face, it's for me to set up the heel getting more heat. You know, or catching them with a falsy or something. You know, it's a way to injure myself so that they don't necessarily have to pick me up or body slam me, or you know, I have to take an unnecessary, you know, big high back bump or something like that. I much rather fall on my stomach on my own fruition than, you know, I have to take some crazy ass move to try to put me down. But like, and then same thing with like my elbow drop. My middle rope elbow that I called not your grandma's elbow drop. I have a tattoo for my grandma on the arm. I usually throw it with. So that's why it's called that. And uh, half the time I miss it. Like I hit it on you because it made sense for me to hit it on you. Right. You know, I had to get that frustrating. Like, you know, I just low, you know, I hit you with my combination that I always hit. I was everybody with you kicked out. I hit you with the elbow. That's like, like the sign right before the end and you kicked out. You know, and now I'm getting mad at the ref. I hit you with like two of my biggest things and you kicked out. Like that's why I like doing the middle rope elbow. I mean, can I do it from the top? Of course. I have a beautiful elbow from the top. Has anybody ever seen me do it off the top rope? No. <laughs> because if I did it off the top rope, it's a finish. And if you kick out of it, I ruin that move. I think. I mean, plenty yeah. of people do it from the top rope and people kick out. But for me, in my heart, if I hit that elbow off the top rope and you kick out, I destroy that elbow in the meaning of it. So. No, and I understand. That's that's a good point that a lot of people like some moves are just meant to be cherished, right? Like when you look at someone like uh, Randy Savage, like, you know, Macho Man, like hitting the top rope, like you think about those things, but then you see people like They'll, they'll do throwbacks, right? And there's only one person I could think of that was, like, hitting the elbow drop that people weren't really kicking out of. But you think about, like, everybody else who's ever done elbow drops and, like, just missed them, right? Except Kyrie Sane, who, like, God forbid, man, she it feels like she throws all of her body weight into her elbow drop. She's which is, She has to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she, like, she makes it work, right? And no one kicks out of her elbow drop. Like, and I think that's very... You know, that's very cool that she's like, this is my finisher. This is what it's going to be. And she just rocks with it. Well, it's the same reason why, like, I won't hit by, like, pump handle, brain buster, Death Valley driver, whichever way you want to call it, because it looks like both. I won't I won't hit that and let want somebody to kick out of it if I'm established as a finisher. I'd rather them counter out, hit me with something, and then get them with it later as the finish than hit my finish, have it have him kick out and have him hit another one. Like, this isn't WWE 2K22. Like, I shouldn't have to hit you with three finishes to finish you off. 
unless that's the story we're telling you. You know right. what I mean? But then again, I'm not going to hit you with my main finish to do that. Like, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to hit you with the elbow, have you kick out. All right, I'm going to hit you with the, the DDT I used to use as a finish, have you kick out. Then I'm going to hit you with my finish finish to drive you away. Like, you know what I mean? That's why we have signature moves. Those should be the moves that get kicked out where your finish should never unless it like it needs to be for the story. It's the same reason like I would not would I do a death match? Yes. Would I do it just for the sakes of doing it or for a quick payday? No. If it was a nice build, a nice story that went on for a few months, you know, sure. Well I'm not just gonna go, hey, I wanna come bleed. Like, no. Like and guys that do it, great. Like that's it's an art form. It really is. When it's done right, it's an art form. And I have all the respect in the world for those guys. But I rather see it be a means to an end versus yeah. just, oh, these two guys are going to do a death match. Unless it's a tournament. Like, that makes sense. You're doing a death match tournament. It's the, you're, the whole gimmick. But, like, I'm not, for me personally, I'm not just going to throw myself into that. Some people do it for notoriety and try to get their name out there. Great. But for me, I rather have the story build. Because then when you do do that death match, the notoriety is going to be tenfold, you know, at the end of the storyline, because it's the, it's the period, like, it's the end of the sentence, story's done, you know, I died, or the other person died, you know, it took, it took us going so, getting so mad at each other, that we had to damn near kill each other to beat each other. Like, that's no. the way I look at it. Yeah, no, I like, and I like the aspect of like, like, and I love that storytelling of like, hey, like, this is where we started, and like, this is where it had, like, if we're having a blow off match, we have to have that blow off match. Like, it's not like, uh, I, I think about it in the sense of like, it's very weird to see like in WWE, right? Like, where, and I only put this out there, don't worry, guys, like, I'll, I'll get back to it. But when you see the first time, like, a baby face and a heel meet, they're like, Hey, you know, heels doing heel things, Bay face. Hey, getting getting hyped with the crowd. But when they get into like that blood feud, it's been like the third match, and they're getting to that real blood feud. The baby face doesn't come out and cheer with the kids. He just goes right to the ring because he's like, "Yo, we're in a fight, and I'm I'm looking to whoop this dude's ass." And I I like that aspect of like storytelling. So when you do something like you want to have like that death match kind of scene, like that has to be like the hey, that's it. This match after this match. You're not going to see this again, at least not right away. You're not going to see this for probably a couple of years because, like, this is how this match is going to end. Well, that's why the Gage Jericho death match worked so well. Because although the storyline wasn't with Gage, it was with MJF, it was another part of the story that wasn't supposed to, you know, he wasn't supposed to get past that. You know what I mean? Like, they made you believe he wasn't supposed to get past that. But he did. Although it wasn't the end of the sentence, it still made sense to have it where it was. You know, and I thought that was an excellent thing to do. Um, so maybe the pizza cutter, though, at a pizza commercial wasn't so bad, but, you know, happenstance. That was that was perfect product placement. I don't care what anybody got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like people were complaining because at that time, Nick dropped the GCW title to, um, Matt Cardona. Yeah. But when you think about it, GCW knew Gage was going into this match with Jericho on national television. 
you have Gage, your champion, your world champion, going against Chris Jericho on national television, and your world champion loses. Your world championship drops in prestige. Yep. You have someone else take it off of them for a little bit. Like I honestly thought the next, you know, the next GCW show, Nick was going to get back because that would have made sense too. But you take it off of him. Now he doesn't have that. So now you're not ru- not bringing down your world title. Like that's just that was smart booking, honestly. So like, you know, if I was if I'm wrestling at Dog, I'm not gonna, and they want me to defend the title. Like, I either have to go over or it has to be some kind of smaz. You know, if I'm defending IWA's Colonial title, like, I, I, I you know, stuff like that has to happen. It's one of the reasons why you don't see a whole lot of indie companies having other companies' titles defended. Because it's almost a dead giveaway that either something's going to happen, or it's a DQ countout, whatever, or the title holder's going to win. You know, or or you do like the whole, oh, he got pinned, but his foot was on the ropes, reverse the decision, restart the match. You know, it's always something. Yeah, no, and, and it's funny because, like, some shows become predictable because you see those kind of things happen. And that's where, like, it comes to, like, the two performers, like, in the ring to tell that story. Like, no, like, the champion is very much in danger of losing this title and that they, you know, you got to do whatever you got to do to get back into it. That's why, again, we go back to that four-way. That's why I had you eliminate me. Because, again, like, if we had if the same crowd, part of that same crowd showed up at IWA Vintage, they're going to think, oh, well, he's got this in the bag. He's really going to get it. You know, and then when it doesn't go that way, they're going to be like, oh, shit. like, I hate this guy. I want to see him lose it. Like, I'm coming back next month. Right. You know, it makes total sense. I'm kind of curious, though, man, like, what kind of advice would you give to, like, up-and-coming wrestlers? Um, I'm a big believer on doing any seminars you can. Uh, seminars, if they're, if it's a company that has a school and they're doing a class before a seminar or before a show, ask to drop in on the class and participate. Um, I did that with uh, PPW. They were having uh, a Disco Inferno. And a Simon Gotch or Simon Grimm, whichever you want to call them, um, seminars. And they were doing a training class beforehand. I got I lived two, two and a half hours away. I got up at like 6 a.m. I drove over there, got there in time for their class, did their class. Then did the disco seminar. Then did the um, Simon Grimm seminar. And, you know, it was all an attempt to try to earn a spot on the show. I didn't get the daily squat. And that happens. But you got to be willing to do that. You know, and, and obviously the seminars cost a little bit of money, but, like, they're worth it. Because sometimes these guys are going to have different ways of teaching you something that you may already know. But they have just that little bit that you don't, that you can change and adapt to or make it your own, like, I've probably learned the most doing seminars than I have in a match or have at like going to constant school training or, you know what I mean? Like, cause you're getting this tutelage from guys that have been there. Like I've done seminars with QT Marshall, Simon Gotch, Disco Inferno, Hoover to Guerrero, Jerry Lynn, Kevin Nash, Val Venus, like 
Malenko, and that was just a talking one. Like sometimes just the talking ones are even better. This I really think the more you put in and the more learning situations you put yourself in is always gonna you're always gonna get something from it. And you may not think it right away, but then as soon as you you know, you might be in a situation when you're calling a match, you're like, Oh, that's what he was talking about. This makes sense now. So it's definitely worth it to do seminars. And as always, like if somebody that's been around or, you know, in longer than you, you know, shut up, listen to them. You don't necessarily have to do what they say, but it's always good to listen because, again, it might click in your head later. So, No, definitely. Well, I mean, you've been around for a long time, man. So I'm very curious. I need one do and one don't of the locker room. One do and one don't? One don't don't have an ego. Uh, there's a couple of people I've known for a while that, uh, again, I'm not going to say names or point out what locker room I was in or whatever, but they seem to develop this. I'm better than everybody here ego or better than certain people here ego. That's not what we're here for. Like your ego, check that shit at the door because you know what? Everybody has their place on the show. Like, if you're not taking that on the roller coaster, you know, that crowd on the roller coaster, the show's going to be the shits. No one wants the show to be the shits because then everybody on the show is going to be considered the shits. So don't have that ego. Like, no one's better than anybody. We're all on the same level. Like, I don't care what company you might have made an appearance for on their YouTube show or their, you know, syndicate television show or whatever. Like, you're in that locker room to put on a show for the people that are there right now. You're not in that locker room for the people that watched you on YouTube three weeks ago, four months ago. You know what I mean? Like, everything gets uploaded on YouTube now anyway, so we're all on YouTube. Like, it's really not that big of a deal to be on YouTube. I mean, yeah, it has that three little letters before it and a word, but it's just, it was just on YouTube. Um, so yeah, the ego for me is one of the really big don'ts. Like, I've always been the same guy. I always go in the locker room. I joke around. I play around. I have fun. I, know, I try to help the promoters, and I try to be a leader in there too. And like people, a lot of the companies I work for, people come to me like I'm the one in charge, and I'm like, I don't know, like <laughs> I'm talking to the wrong dude. Nah, I'm just, I'm just here doing my job. Uh, dues is be friendly, have fun. We're there to have fun. Joke around, play around. There's a time, like in real life, there's a time to be serious. There's a time that you can just be a kid. And we're all really just giant kids living out our dreams. Like, you know, there was one couple that always said, you know, we're going out there and play fighting in our underwear. So. (laughs) Yo, definitely, man. I like it. Hey, so those are like all pretty much like my heavy hitting questions. So we got to jump into the second best segment of this podcast and people are like well what's the first it's the red dogs power rankings that you can find every sunday on our debate show okay but this is the three count podcast 10 count questions and mr dave this is how it's gonna work i'm gonna fire off 10 questions at you rapid fast whatever's your answer that's your answer so if i said eh, that's my answer that's your answer yeah or make like a cat sound yeah yeah like, that's that's your answer i'm scared yeah so i'm gonna put on imaginary timer for added pressure and Uh-oh. here we go. SmackDown or Raw? Raw. 
favorite movie? The Crow. Sonic or Mario? Sonic. Favorite color? Uh, orange. And PlayStation black. or Xbox? <laughs> PlayStation all the way. Favorite submission? Uh, this weird-ass submission that I learned from Mr. Uh, what's his name? Mr. He's an iguana from Mexico. He taught me this crazy-ass submission, and I, I was loving using it for a while. I forget the name of it right now, though. <laughs> Night Owl or Early Bird? Both. Okay. Favorite podcast? Three Count. Right? Like, we don't have it marketed everywhere. Uh, <laughs> uh, so nominate one person that you want to see on this show. Myself. Bet. I'm, I'm walking billboard for myself. Cause, <laughs> so who else am I going to put over? Now, uh, get a promoter on. Okay. That, that'd be a way to go. Go go with a promoter because they'll, you know, they always say don't become a promoter. But, you know, you're not going to learn that aspect or get the insides of that without having a promoter on. So. Bet. And then last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this podcast, favorite curse word. Fuck. Sometimes it's just good to scream the F word. Like, that's just for leaving. Have you ever just, like, walked outside, like, dead ass quiet in the field and just go, fuck? Like, yes, I have. Nice. Or, like, if if you're working in a restaurant or whatever, you walk into the walk in and just scream it so no one can hear you. Like, it's for leaving. Or you do, like, the silent one, like, no one else can hear you, but you know what you're saying. You're just like, oh, yeah. You just, yeah. 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 (laughs) You look like a damn mind, like, constipated mind yeah you're like uh you're like <laughs> like when you were a kid and you used to get in trouble and you just run in your room but you're like screaming but you're not really screaming because you don't want your parents to know that you're screaming so. <laughs> bury your face in the pillow <laughs> i think i def- actually so when i was younger my brother used to uh mess with me a lot and i always gave him a warning because i would kick his ass right um I'm the younger brother. He's taller than me, but I've always been younger and stockier. Well, obviously younger because he's older. Uh, I've always been smaller and stockier, and I was the athlete. I'm like the true athlete. He has a little athletic, but not as much as me. So, like, when I was a kid, he messed with me to the point that I'd start going. (sighs) And when I started doing that, like clockwork, he'd take off. Because he knew, like, three more seconds of me doing it, I was clocking him or taking him down or something. And the one time I didn't give him a warning, I hit him with, uh, I was playing, it was in like an X-Men McDonald's toy and it had like a spin wheel on it. And it was girl in a yellow jacket. I forget her name. It wasn't Rogue. It might've been an early version of Rogue, but I don't think it was Rogue. You mean Jubilee? Yeah, it might've been Jubilee. So like I'm playing with it, playing with it. He's pushing me into this door. Now this door where we live led to a flight of stairs to our front door. So he's pushing me into this door. He's pushing me into this door and I just... Then give him a warning. I had the car in my hand. I forgot I had it in my hand. I just went, gave him a black eye. He starts crying. My mom comes out. He gets sent to bed, and I get to stay up a little longer because he was messing with me. <laughs> it's great. Sometimes being the youngest is great, but sometimes it was the worst, too. No, I understand. <laughs> I'm the oldest, so I had to always mind my P's and Q's. I, 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 being the youngest was the worst because they set the precedent, especially when you go to like the same classes and stuff. And, uh, um, yeah, so, like, the teachers get a bad rap if your brother or sister have a bad rap. <laughs> well, that's all the questions I do have for you. So the last thing I do have to ask is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. Uh, so I am on Facebook, obviously. Just search Dave Dahl. 
Uh, there is two profiles on there. If you add the one with a picture of me and a baby, I will not accept it. I don't really use that profile. That is my personal profile. But if you accept the one with the picture of me and Retromania at my merch table being the Virgil of the game, uh, <laughs> which is awesome and terrible at the same time, uh, that one I can accept you on. Or you can go like the Daredevil Dave Doll page. I haven't posted on there in so long. No, I really need to get on that. Uh, I have Instagram at uh, uh, Dave underscore doll underscore 19, I believe. And then Twitter is DD underscore Dave underscore doll underscore 19. And then I also have a podcast that I do. Uh, it's fantasy booking with action figures. I have a crap ton of wrestling figures because I am a wrestling nerd. Uh, we fantasy book our own drafts. It's called the AFW Action Figure Wrestling. I represent one brand. My buddy Dylan represents another brand. And our buddy Jerry moderates. Uh, it's a, like a half hour time limit for each show. And then the pay-per-views are timeless. But it's a lot of fun. You can find them on Spotify. Just search AFW or a Action Figure Wrestling. Uh, we have an Instagram, but I haven't put anything up in a while because we kind of got behind on doing figure photography. So, <laughs> but that's at AFW underscore Pod. So yeah, I'm a busy dude as well. It's fun. Gotta yeah. keep busy. Gotta play with toys. You know, why not? <laughs> Well, there you guys have it. You have all of his info, so you know what that means. Like every good part of a match, we got to take it home. Because this is the Three Count Podcast presents Now Winter Ring. And like I said, I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog. Well, that's right, the man that leads you up this mountain called wrestling. But like every good Sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficient than you can. And that's why it's never about me. About who's entering, you see him right there, right next to me. He is the one I call the dangerous daredevil Dave Doll. And you guys know what to do. Tune into the next episode and be there, or you just wait for this episode to end. You wait for that outro, and then you choose another episode to listen to. Peace. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod, give us a like, give us a follow, leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to youtube.com, give subscribe, turn the bell on, turn on notifications, leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. Oh, at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So. Show us some support, please.